Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very efficient episode of Bourbon and Breaches. Steve is out today, so we will still be covering the best bourbon and the best breaches stories from this week. I'm Mike. Divya. Shu. Frank. Yep. Okay, excellent. Well, with that in mind, let's get to the stories. Divya, our first story today is... So the first story, you guys, this is a little dated because this happened like two weeks ago, but um, former OnlyFans employees could access users and models' personal information and addresses, passports, bank statements, and other sensitive personal data were viewable long after leaving the company. And um, I want to say Zendesk is involved too, because that's where they used to do the customer support. So what do you guys think about this story? Yeah, raise your hand if you're absolutely shocked to find out that admins and other people with privileged access abuse their privileges to find out where the porn actresses they liked lived. Anybody else shocked? Yeah, I'm really shocked. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you would believe that honor would be the ultimate rule when it comes to naked people. <laughs> this is there's one thing about this though is is that when platforms are spreading with that kind of alacrity and that kind of profitability, I think people consider their privacy last. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you're you're seduced by the offer of how quickly you can make money, about how quickly you can distribute content, and you're not thinking who's actually going to have access to that. Or how long will that be around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, rate. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Also, uh, also, something very important here is that it was it was not really anything directly related to the network infrastructure of OnlyFans. This is a this is Zendesk, which a lot of companies use, and the issue is that they did not revoke access to certain privileged people mm-hmm. uh, when they left the company. They just left it there. So. Um, this is really an issue with good, good DevOps process, uh, processes and good social engineering processes in your company. Although service accounts are a necessary evil and they're not always going to get shut down in a systematic way. Franco, do you want to comment on that or, and or your favorite OnlyFans? <laughs> Put it down in the chat. I, I can't believe these things uh, happen in a modern world. Well, it, to me, it looks like you wouldn't have to go too far to connect uh, both financial and personal information. Uh, if it's all there, uh, almost waiting for, for the blackmailer to use it. So this maybe tells us how important it is to keep a proper privilege management uh, for, for every instance in a, in a company. I, I got to agree there. And furthermore, I mean, many... Many of the times that I got to see databases, uh, which was not not really in every job that I've had, but oftentimes uh, they would be obfuscated or, or encrypted. I mean, even though I was working with the DBs, I would not see like the real password or the real data. I mean, it, it seems that this was not the case, or maybe somebody actually had the, the encryption keys. We'll move on to our second story of the day. Divya, what do you got? So for the second story, this is really recent and it happened with Facebook. So Facebook claims that it had a it had an outage of six plus hours where the DNS appeared to be the symptom for the root cause of Facebook's global failure. And uh, hours later, Facebook finally came back 
Um, I also want to mention that Instagram and WhatsApp were down as well. Also, what's interesting is this happened just one day before the Facebook whistleblower testimony was uh, was going to come out. So what do you guys think about this one? Shu, you may comment on BGP for exactly one minute. <laughs> I have nothing to comment about on BGP. I was, uh, I was mostly uh, thought it was funny because Facebook has tried to be a single sign-on provider forever. Um, and part of the story is that the people trying to fix the problems were not able to get into the building. And I kind of suspect Mm-hmm. that they are trying to eat their own dog food and make the employees tie everything into their own single sign-on system. And if that's down, their own employees could not get into uh, the building. So I noticed that in the story that as well. Yeah. It, all their internal accounts were down as well. So it made communication really difficult. Right. They, they've tried to make Oculus require Facebook and I'm wondering if the employee badges were also tied into their single sign-on system. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys is, um, so WhatsApp was down here, as Divya just said, which um, was not a huge deal in the States. Is it a huge deal in Argentina? Because I know it's a, it's a much bigger deal globally. Like I have family overseas. Uh, WhatsApp is a much bigger deal with them. But was it a big deal where you guys are? Huge deal. The whole country went crazy. Yeah. Are you serious? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That happened in India too. I was trying to explain my wife that uh, in the US, WhatsApp, it's not really widely used, that you guys text more than you use WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And it was a concept that she was, that it was really hard for her to fathom because in here it's all WhatsApp. I mean, it's mostly due to the cost of uh, texting because yeah. nowadays, I mean, companies will give you those for free, but until not that long ago, they will actually charge you for the SMS. So everybody would use uh, WhatsApp. And I do understand that it's pretty much like that. I know that it's like that in India, like you mentioned, Divya, and, and it's like that in Europe as well. I mean, it seems that the States might be the exception. Yeah, in Hong Kong, my relatives are uh, use WhatsApp and I did not receive any texts from them or messages from them during the outage. Mm-hmm not going to complain about that but <laughs> i'm sure it's pretty much the the same for everyone um i've heard this was scary for many people uh, because we're so dependent on smart devices uh, to do almost anything mm-hmm. so i guess some some people felt like uh, the world was about to collapse on itself or something wow. <laughs> um just to to, to be out of the grid uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, and then for, for some other people, this was a, a, a relief in, in some way because we don't take a break from, from this way of communicating. Since for, we haven't mm-hmm. taken a break for, for a long time. Um, and I, I guess I got a little anxious myself <laughs> to be disconnected for a while, but uh, I don't know. It was okay because I knew at least my doors still worked. <laughs> I think we are beyond repair by now. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for us Argentinians. Uh, actually, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, <laughs> beyond repair. I mean, if somebody were to say to me, let's go to a place to have a holiday where there's no internet, I would go, no way. Mm-hmm. No way. Even, even if it is for just a day. I mean, yeah. you need to have access online. But uh, again, I might be broken beyond repair. 
Okay, everyone, now it's time for a bourbon break shoe. I have a feeling that you bought something special for this week. What did you buy? Right, it's very special. I went to my local Total Wine and decided to play bourbon roulette. And uh, yeah, Steve, it's $19 where you are, holy cow. Um, Steve's is cheap bourbon. And so I just randomly picked something off the shelf here and I picked up red-blooded four-year American bourbon whiskey. Um, yeah, I, I literally just like, uh, yeah, this red label, it's attracted my attention, I'm gonna grab it. And I did absolutely no research and I've done research since then. And I found out some very interesting things. So um, this bourbon is aged four years. It's American bourbon whiskey. It's got some cool keywords out there. It's, it's 80 proof. Um, it's got some cool marketing terms on here, like distilled in the South, bottled in the West. So it's Are you got- Are a flavor as aggressive as it's marketing? <laughs> no. No, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to end, um, but it does say small batch and American made. That's got all the relevant buzzwords is what And American grain. So you're right. Really easy terms for you here. So um, we'll see how it goes. Okay, all right. This is, I'm, I'm definitely opening this we believe you. this is not yeah this is not a scam we would have Open believed you had it been reopened right all right right all right we like would, to keep it authentic here at bourbon breaches who would, who would claim to have been drinking it had they not been actually drinking it exactly right so this is my first initial impression as nikki would say smells like bourbon um the color is very clear it's um Translucent shoe, translucent. Translucent, yeah. So four years. I've seen darker in four years. As a comparison, here's my one of my favorite bourbons, Blanton's, much darker. So look at that. So <laughs> yes, I do keep a bottle of Blanton's next to me at my desk as I work. Um, so let's let's give this a shot. You know, it's it's not an offensive smell. It, it smells kind of pleasant. A little floral and sweet bourbon here. So these are smells. Have, uh, any other adjectives you want to throw in there? No, not really. Solid. Um, so there was one review we did that said I it smells, it tastes like glue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say this is Glue is not the word here. Maybe wood glue instead of white glue. Uh-huh. Distinguished by what? <laughs> it's very, very smooth. Um, so it's it's very easy to down. It kind of there's a hint of bourbon taste to it. Um but yeah, I, I really can't, it's a, it's a strange taste. Um, it's not a traditional bourbon. So in the same price range, I assume it's, it was it 20 bucks for you too? Uh, it was like 25 bucks for me. Right. Would you buy it for 25 bucks or is there another bourbon that you'd buy for 25 bucks instead? Uh, 
there are plenty of other bourbons that we have reviewed that uh, I would rather get for this price point. So, um, I'm guessing the Rebel Yell is not one of them, right? <laughs> oh, you know what? The Rebel Yell sounds really good right now. Oh, that surprises yeah. me. Right. So, right. Uh, lesson learned here. Um, the, the more I drink, the more this looks like water to me. But uh, yeah, so uh, lesson learned here is that I need to go beyond my local total wine. Sounds like the lesson learned is that aggressive marketing goes a long way. It goes a long way. Right. Let's move on to our next story, Divya. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, yeah. Story number three. Okay, guys. Uh, story number three, also very recent. This happened to Twitch where they confirmed that they were hacked after its source code and secrets were leaked out. And uh, I think it was like a big deal on Twitter because somebody was, uh, you know, the, the Twitch spokesperson kind of came out on Twitter said, we can confirm a breach has taken place. And some people were saying that they have literally, like hackers have literally everything. So everything was exposed. What do you guys think about this one? Same I, uh, actually same thing just minus the sex workers thing which is that you you have you you have a race for a brand you have a lot of competitors in the space you need to get as much breadth as possible and and so you rapidly expand i mean i can tell you that i didn't my, i watched my first twitch stream which was like a live chess stream during the pandemic and i think it's the same thing for only fans i think a lot of people you know come to only fans say for the first time during the pandemic. So you have this race to try to get your brand out. And so you're thinking, how can I monetize this? Who can I sign? What kind of content am I delivering? And the last thing you're thinking is, did I secure privacy? Is security an afterthought? Because it's it's not really built into the rapid expansion model. But now you can see that you know they've rapidly expanded until it's like just them and, and YouTube. Basically, you know, YouTube is signing Twitch people. Twitch people are, are being signed on YouTube. And in the midst of that big competitive arms race, you have a big data breach that grinds somebody to a halt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I searched for some uh, technical information. I couldn't find any sort of technical, technical information on what happened. Frank, you might have some insight on this. Uh, did you see anything? All I know is that because I, I created a Twitch account very recently and it was included in that breach. Mm. Now how do you That's get your <laughs> how do you get your source code leaked i mean is was the repo like public an inside guy that actually copied that code yeah it, it wasn't just search code their entire user database at least was was breached so i found the account i created there and i was very surprised because it was pretty recent and i'm like huh there it is i do want to mention in the article it says that like this was labeled as part one so they're kind of like alluding to the fact that there's more to come and you know like I think my favorite part of like moment from all of this was like when this one Twitter user was like hey you might want to change your passwords <laughs> and people are like yeah you you really might want to do that so like not to really you know it's sometimes hard to draw connections from some of these breaches what we actually do but uh, if you have folks out there that used their corporate email address and the same password and you haven't considered Twitch a third party of yours, guess what? Like this breach affects you as a company. 
And, uh, you know, even if it doesn't affect you as a company, if you guys have paid your favorite Twitch streamers, it's going to affect you financially and personally, unless you do something about it right now. I'm sure we, we don't, we surely don't know um, what is the, the scope of this. I mean, uh, how many people will be affected by such a big company as Twitch. Um, but anyway, I can't believe how much streamers earn. That's unbelievable. I know. <laughs> Someone has really? to shed, shed some light on this. <laughs> yeah, like ridiculous amounts of money. Like it was, it was insane. Like I think, like some people earning, like regular ass people earning, like nine million dollars per stream and shit. And I was like, actually, I, don't think I, I wanted to know this. Someone has to preserve us from this kind of data breaches. <laughs> I definitely that is some useful information nine million dollars for a stream yeah stuff like that i mean i'm i'm not 100 percent. that was the, the first the, the top uh the top. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it's just like regular people like any of us or are we talking about a celebrity with a, i don't know 10 million followers the, the, the talent is just to get a bunch of eyeballs all in the same place mm -hmm. and then they're experiencing experiencing a massive war for talent to make sure that you know you stream exclusively with the Twitch service and not with any other service. And so there's a premium both on the content creator and the number of eyeballs that they can generate. And then of course it's crowdsourced, right? So it's whatever that group of people thinks it's worth. So That's it could crazy. be you, Miguel. Yeah, it could be you if you're willing to take off your shirt. Yeah, I, I would think That's if that was the case, I probably one. had to pay 9 million to people to watch me. That's wild. Rather than getting paid. Uh, there's a lot of kinks out there. It worked. Well, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. Story number four, Divya, what do you got? Okay, for story number four, you guys, um, this is regarding like a text message handler. So what happened was the company that routes billions of text messages quietly says it was hacked. Cineverse handles billions of text messages a year. And I know that they're uh, kind of like used by AT&T, T-Mobile and Verizon. So what do you guys think about this one? Uh, a couple of things there. First, I want to emphasize the quietly word there. <laughs> I think that's very interesting. And the other thing that actually caught my attention was the fact that it says that hackers had access for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, ears. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. How, how how can they just realize they have been hacked for so long? Mm -hmm. Who's using SMS? It's 2021. It's not your fault. Uh, no, you mean two days ago when when all went down? <laughs> I was using SMS. Yeah. Well, I mean, WhatsApp has been breached too. Yeah. Yeah, everything's been breached. But regardless of platform, once again, as we say here at Hack Notice, don't send nudes on the internet. Well, it's the it's their it's their third party risk, right? It it only affects you if you've used AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile. So. <laughs> 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 those three carriers, you're probably fine. Yeah. If you can avoid those three, yeah. Oh, and um, so so what's what's funny is uh, I used to work at a, a, a mobile platform company um, and. I can tell you the backbone behind everything with the carriers is so esoteric and, and complicated. I, I'm not surprised about this. 
there's a lot of third party use by a lot of companies. So um, this is a major one. And I had not even heard about this company before, um, but I'm not surprised at all. Well, I'm sure this might not be the case, but it makes me think on how much uh, of this kind of data incidents are held back by companies not to compromise their reputation. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, I agree. Well, it, goes, it goes from security and IT straight to legal, right? And then it's at the company's discretion of, of what they're going to do. And that, you know, to your point, we've we've seen even on this show just in the past couple of years that the, that the companies that message the best take responsibility and then have some action going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that's becoming a much better model than just trying to deny that you had a breach because people understand it's not really an if, it's a when, and it's more how you respond than then it happened. Mm-hmm. Our last story of the week, Divya, what do you got? Okay, guys, so for story number five, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one, but a misconfigured Apache Airflow servers uh, leak thousands of credentials. Um, researchers discovered many instances of a misconfigured or outdated Apache Airflow servers over the web leaking sensitive information, including user credentials to well-known services. So I don't really understand this one too well, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? Sure. Yeah, so uh, some of these stories that came out sort of blamed leaked credentials, sort of blamed cloud service providers. Mm-hmm. And that's certain true to a certain extent, but I have intimate knowledge of Apache Airflow um, at a previous company. And a lot of the problem was is basically this open source project itself. Not not that it's an open source project, but there was some really questionable iffy practice coding practices there. And yes, it was patched. And yes, as long as you do patch your software frequently, you should be fine. But yeah, someone had to review the code to see what was happening and it did not. And here we are. So um the lesson here is if you introduce any product into your ecosystem whether it's open source or closed source you should know what it's doing you should know the security practices of that software but we can i mean we can agree you can maybe correct me if i'm wrong from your previous experience that one of the hardest things about that is asset management in the first place right you can't you can't practice good patching and vulnerability management unless you know actually what you have and so this some of those companies by surprise no yeah yeah i completely agree and Apache Airflow, it should be easy because it is open source, right? But people have not done that, even though they could have read the source code and see, hey, maybe this is not the smartest thing to do. People didn't do it. It goes beyond just rubber stamping a product into your ecosystem. You should know what it's doing. So question for you guys. Do you think this kind of like uh, uh, thing could happen to other um, similar providers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is not an issue of saying, telling your employees, don't click on this link from a weird email. Right. This goes beyond this, this, a lot of this should have been caught by technical people deep within the company's ecosystem. Well, of course though, if, if, if at the user level though, you do segregate out, you know, using unique emails per services and you, you know, unique password per services, not, 
not that a lot of people do that, but security aware folks do do that, right? Then, then that what that does is that limits the damage from the breach. Mm -hmm. But to your point of view, this is not a thing that's controlled necessarily by regular employees. This is up to technical employees who are up to managing infrastructure. And this falls in the, the shrinking bucket of direct infrastructure attacks, but that are, are still being carried out. No, yeah, absolutely. Like the average non-technical employee would not have anything to do with this. It's still, um, you know, this, this affected company. Thank you everyone for joining. If you liked that, uh, there's probably something wrong with you, but please leave us a comment or feel free to subscribe. If you didn't like that, leave us a comment or subscribe anyway. We are in no way affiliated as you may be able to tell with red-blooded American bourbon. Thank you very much for joining. This has been an episode of Bourbon and Breaches.